Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I'm Jake. You're all sad now. Call him out. I'm Call a, him out. I'm a battered co-host. Call him out. You personally, he's listening. Jeff said you will care or I will make you care. <laughs> and then he threatened to kick me in my name. Care about what I tell you in my life. I don't care about other co-hosts apparently i mean that's why you do ttr alone or with what's his name with matt oh yeah that's his name that's his name <laughs> speaking we of, were once the dynamic trio and then you guys started fighting and then why did we fight uh, just stuff happened what stuff stuff with a uh with a christmas episode yeah some bitch <laughs> um yeah screw you dimitri is what jake's saying <laughs> i'm gonna pin you two against each other Knuckle Dragons for Say What You Mean Showdown. Beep, beep. Except what side do you come down on? Are you just going to be the... the, uh, the I don't... I come down on the victor. I'm not just choosing now. <laughs> you must fight. <laughs> you must fight and see who wins. I will say, you played basketball with me, so you're already, you're already winning. True. I did play basketball. I did do that. I am such a bad shooter. It's so bad. You got to work on a shot, dude. Yeah, you got to do that warm up I did that you didn't go all the way through with because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make it. That you don't say can't, you just do it, dude. There's a problem doing around the world, and you can't, you can't like get past a certain point because you physically cannot make a you shot. You can physically make it. You just have to. I, you're it's all it's all the mentals, dude. Mm, the mentals. Yeah, I would just rather um, use my length and. I mean, drive. that's how you beat me. Yeah. Is your length and driving on me and scoring on me and I'm fouling the shit out of you. That's how you win. I just I I I know my strengths. I mean, it's good. Mm-hmm. You're swole, dude. Anyways, it was fun hey. playing ball. It's something I'm going to do every Sunday, so I'm uh, putting that out there for any homies that want to come hoop it up on Sunday. I wish LA's daily membership thing wasn't sixteen dollars, dude. It's sixteen with tax. It was sixteen. Oh, jeez! Surprised that's something they can tax, but I suppose Washington <laughs> taxes everything. That's yeah. a, technically a sale for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for paying that. And thanks for coming out. No, it was, it, it, it was worth it. Kylie's uh, Kylie's uh, wedding bridal shower, bridal shower was yeah. that morning, so I was like, it was perfect timing because it gave me something to do. Um, Dominate Jeff on the back of my No, dude, you beat me in twenty one because you tipped me. I think four times, which has got to be a record. Which has got to be a record. So tipping, but you didn't tip me. That's on you, dude. One handed tips sends you to zero. Sends you back to zero, and you tipped me at least three times before I got to thirteen. And then once you hit thirteen, you can't drop below thirteen with mm-hmm. a tip. But then you tipped me once when I was like at seventeen and brought me back down to thirteen. I lost a lot of points. I went down to thirteen. And since I can't shoot threes, you're playing by ones and twos. You hit a lot of threes, yeah. and all of my shots required me having to go and just score one. Yeah, you're working way harder than I am. <laughs> and so like- it felt so crushing to to lose like that's four buckets yeah i lost yeah when i went from 17 back to 13 yeah just in that one mm-hmm. but you were at like 12 and going back to zero mm-hmm. yeah that's fun dude so speaking of basketball i don't want to be on this too long but i do think that there's some social basketball commentary that can happen here okay i think 
for those who don't know about the Portland Trailblazers organization, we we always try to inform them. Mm-hmm. And usually we're big old fanboys and just fucking blindly just rooting for them. Mm-hmm. You, as a fan, you don't really have any other recourse. Until now. Until, yeah, no. So... Aside from, and this has nothing to do with basketball, which makes it so frustrating. You see this shit happen in other in or other organizations, and you're like, "Yikes, dude!" Mm-hmm. But now it's your team, and it's like, "Oh God!" Well, I've watched the Jets do this routinely. Really, my fan fandom, They're just like inept ineptitude at the ownership level and and at the front office. Yeah. Level. So I mean, there's just. A lot of drama surrounding the Portland Trailblazers. But what I think I wanted to talk about was Chauncey Billups. Mm. Chauncey Billups is now the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, he signed a five-year contract, and in 1997, he was... And he was a very successful point guard at the NBA level. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's good. Won a title with the Detroit Pistons. Mm -hmm. Don't even bring them up. Holler at CJ. That's his favorite favorite team. Insert a ramble about everything they were from CJ. <laughs> um, he was amazing. He was mm-hmm. damn good. And he's dude. good in Denver too. But his rookie year, he was in a vicarious situation, possibly raping a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I read a, reading about yeah. what happened to this woman. Did was you horrific? Oh, I didn't. I couldn't. I didn't look, but I didn't oh, search yeah. out. Something. Someone at work was like, "I'm going to read up on this." It's bad. Is dude. it? It's bad. So there's these allegations of rape, and so now with him becoming Portland's head coach, people are pissed mm-hmm. um, because he's in a position. But what I don't understand is, dude, he effing worked for Disney. Yeah. And he's an assistant coach right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a, a lot, I guess maybe because it's more, it's a prestige job, it's prestigious job it's yeah um, but he was an announcer like for disney he was the face of a broadcasting company at espn yeah like i you and that doesn't i'm I'm not saying like if you didn't go for him then you can't go for him now i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's interesting how now this is what it is now it matters yes it it should have always mattered Mm -hmm. let's address this shit long time ago but long time ago, this stuff didn't. Long time ago, they women and still today, Great point. women are told that, uh, oh, were you were you, so you were drunk? Well, I mean, yeah, what were you? Is doing that there, is drunk? that really sexual yes. assault? Yes. Uh, so you can't. We say we no. have not come. <laughs> we have still not Terrible. even come anywhere close to where we need to be as a society in recognizing sexual right. assault. Right. And. I was very disappointed with the Trailblazers. Um, well, there's a lot of reasons to be disappointed yes. with the Trailblazers' introductory press conference for Chauncey yes. Billups. The main one was when Chauncey was finally actually asked a question where he had to address the lessons that he learned from 19, 1997, because yes. that's all he said, Yes, was that I learned lessons from 1997. He said but it changed his life, and he learned... Learned, learned lessons life, from it. Life, but life not lessons. once did Neil, did Neil O'Shea... Neil yeah. Shea kind of did, but Chauncey Billups never once talked about the woman who was affected by the incident. Yeah. He talked about himself the entire time, how he changed, how he was affected. Not once did he talk about the actual victim. And he doesn't even have to say that I did anything to her, right. but all he has to do is say, regardless, you know, what happened 
happened that is that it's in the past yeah. i can't talk about it because it's legal reasons it's okay. been sealed it's been it, it was handled out of court right right all that has been sealed but he can say he could say something of sexual assault is something that is has plagued our nation oh. for such a long time it's time that we deal actually deal with it yes and actually use it as, as like a psa yeah like do something Yes. And then the first time that it started to get down that road, Neil yeah. O'Shea with his little water Dude, bottle sip already, nod to the... I already have a meme made for it. I'm going to send it to you guys Oh, today. I can't wait to see it. Because <laughs> it needs to be a meme. He's looking over the PR like, you better shut this motherfucker up. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I could Dude, he, not believe it. Neil hates Jason. Quake. Good. Good. And like, good for Jason to push him. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Ask yeah. that question. I just so he asked Chauncey like, what, what, "Tell me about the lessons you said that you learned. Mm-hmm. What were they?" And then Neil leans back, just casually drinking his water, looks at Portland PR, Trailblazers PR, and then she comes in and goes, "Uh, Jason, we've already answered this question. We're going to move on mm-hmm. to Aaron Fen. Yeah, to Aaron Fentress. I don't, I don't know what question Aaron asked, but oh. if I was Aaron, Aaron should have had Jason's back and Ask been the like, same question. Ask it. Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's just, it's insane. Like, aside from, outside of the, what I'm most frustrated with is, so the hiring of Chauncey Billups is its own giant convoluted issue Mm -hmm. that we could work through. It's the handling of the issue by the Portland Trailblazers that is so frustrating for me. Oh, it's it's gross. It's so gross, It's at a level, because... Neil Neil O'Shea, we've talked about this a lot amongst mm-hmm. ourselves, and I don't think we've talked about yeah. it here, but Neil O'Shea, who's the general manager and like head of basketball operations for the Portland Trailblazers, essentially is the Portland Trailblazers at this point yes. because the ownership, Paul Allen, passed away. It The team has is now in the trust of Paul Allen, which is controlled by his sister, Jody Allen, yeah. who is not a sports person. She has taken uh, somewhat in, like has taken interest in the team to, uh, in a way to, I think what's been kind of said is that to honor her brother's legacy. Right. So she does care about the team. She's not actively trying to sell it. This isn't like she is. I mean, from invested what I've heard is that she sense. is invested to some level. Yeah. Um. But Neil O'Shea is the ultimate spin master. He's the Trump of sports. He controls every narrative. Yes. Or tries and, to. Or tries to control every narrative in throws people under the bus and shuts down media yep. does not want anything dissenting no dissenting opinions around him and he will literally crash he will burn this ship before admitting fault yep. for anything yep and he's burning this ship down yeah yeah the um the one thing you know historically with since Neil's got here it's very it's he's very hush hush he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't talk about anything outside of the organization. He doesn't tell anybody his plans, and he doesn't even like hint at plans. He keeps everything hush hush. That same attitude and strategy, when you have a controversial hire like Chauncey mm-hmm. Billups, does not fucking work. Transparent, like when there's a lack of transparency around those kind of topics, it is a major red flag. Yeah, you cannot have. You can't. You cannot do that. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. It looked terrible. It looked so bad. And if, that everybody noticed. If Chauncey can't answer those questions, if Chauncey, if you're so worried about Chauncey's ability to answer mm-hmm. basic questions surrounding that incident, why is he your head coach? Yeah. That's a great question. 
Oh, and they kept saying, let's just, uh, twice they said, let's remind everybody that Chauncey's wife and his kids are here. Of course. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Cringy. Mm-hmm. Cringy. It, it is frustrating that now it's like, now Portland is the one, the Portland Trailblazers are the ones taking the brunt of this. Yeah. Why wasn't Disney? Yeah. Why weren't the LA Clippers? Right. Um, that maybe me, that's the point I was getting at at the beginning. That to me is frustrating. Yeah. That yeah. to me is frustrating. Yes, because it's like we're okay. We're we're all of you guys, and for the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or this, at least in the last five, yeah. right? Like yeah. the Me Too movement has been going on for a while. Where was where was this then? Yeah. Why now? Yeah. Um, I mean, better late than never. Yes, I suppose. So I guess I, mean, I there shouldn't. Should be a, a, there should be accountability, and I think that you're right in saying like, address it, get it mm-hmm. out there, let's have transparency. Yeah, not fucking sweep it under the rug like it didn't happen. Well, like at this point, there's nothing. There's no legal fallout that's going to come right. from Chauncey. Like we don't know. Yes. we don't know what happened. Right, and Chauncey was either there, he knew it was there and was complicit. Mm-hmm. Um. And either way, it's not great. Right. And you have to, each individual fan has to now ask themselves, is that something you can, something you can, you, that you in your own mind can like to use a, uh, a Neil O'Shea term, because this is what he does when he gets, uh, when he gets pressed on something, uh-huh. he tries to talk over people's heads and yeah. gets really like, he just becomes an asshole. He yeah. becomes a huge dick, but he's like bifurcate. If you mm. you as a fan are going to have to be able to bifurcate Chauncey Billups the human the human from Chauncey Billups the coach, <laughs> and is that something that you can that you can do? Is that yeah. a mental gymnastics that you can tie? Yeah. And like I don't know. I think people unfortunately the way the world we live in, if Chauncey starts winning games and Dame's yeah. happy, yeah. and all of a sudden this, um, I think a lot of the the tension towards Chauncey Billups is also sh- being in the context of all of us unsure what Damian Lillard or all of our, our, our star player, our favorite player, mm-hmm. what he's going to do and yeah. how his happiness. And so we've got all that anxiety and then we've got this going on too. And yeah. we're just like, what does that mean for Dame? And yeah. I think if Dame ends up coming out and saying, I'm happy I'm staying in Portland and Portland starts winning games, we forget all about this, unfortunately. Yeah. The, 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 collective, the collective, the collective fan okay. base ends up forgetting about yes. it. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. It's 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 unfortunate, and that that's another part of it. Like, you know, as the fans, like, it's the Trailblazers' handling of it that then affects what the players are gonna do. Damian isn't happy. He's talking about leaving. Like, dude, he was at the freaking Sparks game, dapping it up with LeBron last night. They didn't night. come together. Though. I know they didn't, but like I told you guys in the chat, I can't wait for him to sign with Portland. Yeah, no, right. That's, <laughs> that's gonna happen. Uh, it's just it's just frustrating, you know. I think I think in all to end this 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 chat about basketball and trailblazers is I think you you hit it on the head when you said that it just needs to be put out front, addressed, let him talk about it. And if you can't, that's concerning. Mm-hmm. That means you didn't do your due diligence. Yeah. And I think that it's apparent that Neil O'Shea didn't do his due diligence. Yeah. Chauncey was has been Neil's guy. They've had a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's now come out that the independent investigator that Neil said was proprietary information, he can't discuss the investigation. Um, it's proprietary information. Uh, it turns out that the the guy that they paid to do the investigation was Neil's old college roommate. Yeah. I mean, all of this just reeks of 
of narcissism. Yep. It reeks of ineptitude and uh, what what's the term when you nepotism? Yeah. It reeks oh, of nepotism. Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because Neil now ha- Neil, like I said, Neil is the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Until Jody Allen gets rid Says of him. He isn't. Yeah. Because Chris McGowan, his direct Neil's direct boss, mm-hmm. is like Neil's guy. Yeah. Like those two are joined at the hip. Yeah. And there's no accountability right now. All of those isms mm-hmm. make it feel like corruption, which isn't how isn't a positive feeling when you're looking at a team you root for. Dude, if I'm Dame, dude, I don't, I do, I don't. After watching all of this yeah. go down, because I was like, what about the process is Dame upset about? Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it mm-hmm. because apparently the the two things that are making makes Damian Lillard want to leave mm-hmm. Portland is. I from what Chris Haynes' article, which is Damian Lillard speaking to the to us through yeah. Chris Haynes, uh, was not winning. Was not winning. Not being able to compete. Concerns about being able to uh, put a competitive, like a contending roster on the court. Mm-hmm. And then the the first thing on the list, though, was how the new coaching process, coaching hiring process happened. Mm. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense because everything we know, we've known is that there were three finalists. Dame had publicly said that he was fine with Chauncey Billups. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this almost seems like a contrived narrative. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And then you see the press conference and you see all of the shit that Neil O'Shea has been pulling. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a part of that organization right now. Neil's a scumbag, dude. A scumbag. I don't like that guy. He's a little fucking liar. He's not even the thing is is that as far as basketball GMs go, yeah. he's not terrible. Right. No, not at all. I don't think I don't think he's terrible. He's does pretty well in the draft. Hmm. Well, he drafted Zach Collins and Myers Leonard. Okay. With two top Who ten else? picks. Didn't he draft Griffin? Griffin. Blake Griffin? No. You sure? Oh, at, from the when he was at the Clippers. Yeah, yeah you're right. And Dan Yeah, but that's Miller. a number that's a number one overall pick though. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. CJ McCollum's good. Damian Lillard's good. Yeah, but you've had f- four. You've you had brought f- all those players to Clippers. Chris Paul, didn't he? Was he a GM then? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's he's all right. He's good at what he does. As far as, like, I think you said it when he, like, if you have a, or you or CJ said it, like, when you have a team who sucks, He's good at getting him at getting him to like a mid level team, mm-hmm. but he's never had any team kind of go over that hump. Yeah. We made it to the Western Conference Finals, but that's it. I mean, that's pretty far. But it's been years since that's happened. It's been a first round exit since then. Mm-hmm. So And it was first round exits essentially before that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know. That's our drama with our our team. Um, that's why as a Blazers fans, you always root for a second, even though you don't, mm-hmm. I definitely do. And I definitely have. And my second team is winning it all. Yeah. But, uh, if you get a chance, I think, uh, reading about the actual assault itself, Oof. uh, will, will make, if you're kind of on the fence right yeah. now, you don't really think it's a big, big deal. Read what happened to that woman. Yeah. And, uh, I think it'll put it into a little bit more perspective. So you're bringing up something that I think transitions into something that I wanted to talk about is, uh, so it's, it's not, uh, the, the, this is a, this is the wrong way to think about it, but this is just how I'm tying these two together. You read that and it, it puts it into perspective. You're like, damn dude, like 
I don't know if I can support this organization that's doing this or Chauncey Billups who's coaching this. In the same sense, dude, I've been watching a ton of documentaries. And as great as documentaries are at pulling the curtain back and letting you see kind of what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. and how much it sucks and it hurts regardless of what the topic is, it's always like it's it's almost like you're seeking that like, you know, watching this is going to fuck up your entire uh, perception of something. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to do that. And I think it's that cognitive dissonance. You're willing to go out and be like, all right, let's watch this and and be bummed. You're going to be bummed. Like, I, I, the Michael Jackson documentary that came out in 2019, that got everybody ready to cancel Michael Jackson. I didn't watch it, but then I found it because I have HBO Max on HBO, mm. and I put it on my list to watch. Okay. And have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet, but okay. it's the same idea. Once I open that Pandora's box, I know I'm going to feel different about Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it's like... There, there. What is that hesitancy? There is one there for me to be like, "Fuck, man, I don't want to watch this and ruin my my appreciation for the artist and the music. I don't want to bifurcate those two <laughs> things." <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I, but I put it there, and I'm gonna watch it, and I need to watch it, and it's it's just like you're saying about reading the article, putting yourself out there to to challenge your own thoughts to be informed on things um, because it's much easier to put your head in the sand and just go, yeah, go blazers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But let's, let's have a complete understanding of what the fuck's going on. Um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries and I watched one, uh, the greatest crime in history or something like that. Uh, is that that one you sent us in the group yes. chat about um, big pharma opioids opioids? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dude, fuck the government, man. I'm back to being an anarchist. Yeah? 100%, dude. Okay. They're all just a bunch of corrupt piece of shit losers. Off of one documentary? It's not just one documentary. It's all the documentaries, collectively. All all of them. All the the crime of the century. All the documentaries. Dude, these motherfuckers getting bought off and paid and changing laws and legislation to benefit fucking big pharma and ignore the public health repercussions. Yes. Yeah. It's just, dude, and it ain't just fucking left or right, motherfuckers. It's all of them. All of them. And uh, it just pisses me off, dude. It pisses me off. Well, like, w- give me some examples. Like, what what is hap- Like, what is happening? Um, so, fentanyl. Okay. Fentanyl overdoses have increased like immensely over the last few months, especially. But since the introduction of fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid that was constructed in a lab, since that, it's just you have so. CJ kind of mentioned it. Um, Purdue, Purdue, what is that pharma company? Purdue, Purdue. Yeah. They kind of set the pathways of like um, uh, marketing mm. for opioids, uh, OxyContin, Contin. and that was the one that like kind of led the path of like introduc- introducing people into opioids and opioid addiction. And they kind of had this whole marketing scheme and like all the stuff. So, so is fentanyl a painkiller then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's essentially it's like oxycontin and all that stuff mm-hmm. but like 10 times the potency jesus it's synthetic that's why people are dying because like in the in the drug market like not pharmaceutical market but mm-hmm. drugs 
they're trying to use fentanyl to make a stronger product but you know heroin is let's say you let's say you have a bag of heroin and you do that heroin you uh, as a heroin addict you know what you can withstand but now they're trying to introduce fentanyl into that heroin to make it stronger to make it more addictive Mm -hmm. but if you're doing the same amount that you think you've been doing not knowing fentanyl has been introduced or not understanding fentanyl has been introduced there's overdoses and people are dying Mm -hmm. so my frustration is there was god i wish i would have kept i would have wrote the legislation but my head i was trying to pick my job off the ground the whole time but there's just like there was legislation and there was uh there was DEA members. So that's another thing. You have a guy who worked for the DEA who then goes and gets a job with a pharmaceutical company who then tells you what the D, what you can and can't do to avoid being investigated by the DEA after pushing. Uh, what is it called? Pushing like, the, the drugs. But okay. what is it? What is what is it called? Trafficking? It's, no, the actual drug. It's um the classification of the drug. I, I can't remember it right now. Um, so anyways, so then there was like, they're like, we should, so there was somebody, I can't remember the exact politician, but they were, they, oh fuck, what is his name? Anyways, he wrote this bill that basically removes the responsibility of the overdoses from, so there's no way that any responsibility from drug addiction and drug overdose and drug ep, uh, epidemics can be, mm-hmm pointed back to the pharmaceutical companies. Okay. But hold on. I lost my train of thought. So there's no way that those can be tied, but they under the guise of like some like health, health care for Americans or whatever the fucking stupid flashy title it Mm -hmm. is. Um, And the arguments that these politicians are making uh, to pass the bill are, are you trying to deny Americans the ability to manage their pain? And it's like, mm. you motherfuckers, man. I, I'm, I've said motherfucker a lot this episode. I'm just pissed. Mm. It's a whole rant. Like, it's just gross, dude. It's gross. And, and, it's, and, and, and Schumer was, on, uh, uh, was getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies. And that stupid lady from, well, I can't remember what she was a representative for. But it's just like, all these people are signing off on this shit and nobody says anything. There's no accountability. Why the fuck do we elect these people if I don't think, and this is frustrating and this is me being the anarchist, but it's, I'm back to like, these motherfuckers don't have our best interests at heart. What the fuck? What the fuck? And it sucks that I can't do anything about Sally or Jim as a representative in this state who is help pushing and passing bills that allow for these drugs to be mass produced and mass sold the corruption as far as like between doctors and pharmaceutical companies is insane well you know you can't directly do anything about schumer but you can schumer can introduce a bill or i mean the house he can help sponsor a bill yeah get it introduced in the house yeah and then you can affect your your congressperson yeah, and how they but vote what for if the it bill's called uh uh uh, a painless America and it's all positive and flowers and shit dude people are so dumb again with their heads in their sand being like yeah then what if I get in pain what if that happens I gotta take medicine I mean we have the we have the elected officials we deserve that's it I think that's a great point this whole documentary just pissed me off dude the I can imagine it sounds awful just the the 
I'll, I'll say this. One time when I tore my ACL and I was on OxyContin uh, around the clock because of the pain mm-hmm. and the reconstruction of my ACL, um, I told Jen, I go, you know what? I 1,000% see how people could get addicted to this. It felt awesome. But I was at home and I was playing video games and I had no responsibility, right? But that's a trend you see in people who abuse drugs, especially downers like mm-hmm. Oxycontin or opioids is like there's no motivation. They, they, dude, there's this there's a story of this lady, dude, where this doctor is pushing these pills and she I can't remember what her ailment was initially. But they had been managing it well. And then she met this doctor in Utah and he was like, hey, you should try these pills. So he put her on like six different pills and the husband started photographing her to just conked out and like drooling and just found her like passed out in different spots because these downers and these opioids would just make her pass out. And then he was like, yo. You're getting off this shit. You're not doing it anymore. They put her in a treatment center. She got clean. Then the doctor was like, no, I'm her physician. I know what's best for her. She got on him again and died. Wow. The relationship between the pharmaceuticals and and these doctors. And and like, it's insane how just overprescribed these opioids were. And... I think about historically like opioids in China and they're just like, yo, we got to get this shit out of here. Like it was just destroying the Chinese people and just people were just all fucking strung out on opioids. Uh, It's dangerous, dude. It's dangerous. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Drugs are. Drugs are bad. Okay. (laughs) They are bad. Okay. But the. Oh, I just hit my stand. The things of passion. There has been throughout our history. Oh, here there we has go. Been, no, I just the opioid the opioid epidemic is just another epidemic and a line of epidemics of Concerning abuse drugs. Right. of drugs and what was pushed initially, and then we find out oh that's actually not okay. Yeah, to take for women to take methamphetamines to lose weight. Right. And we just have always been hyped up on. <laughs> I, I, I feel, I just feel like we've always been hyped up on drugs. Yeah. I, I agree. What worries me is like, you know, it's this, this, this narrative of pain. Everybody's got pain, not physically all the time, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just feel maybe it's just cultural. This idea of shit sucks. I don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? There's that's why people drink. That's why people smoke weed. That's why people do heroin. Like there, it, but but in the sense of getting addicted to prescription drugs, and then I just like if every if I'm just making the argument that everybody could say, well, yeah, I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, there. I mean there. This is this just calls for a. This calls for our elected officials to do something about it, and that's through the through the executive branch and working with uh, different bureaucracies to change the rules and how certain um, how stuff is enforced, right? Um, and then legislation changing. Um, changing laws so that stuff can be enforced in different ways. Right. But 
we have to hold our we we have to hold our elected officials accountable. Yeah, but even people like being appointed to the DEA were like prior to being appointed to the DEA were part of this corruption, light corruption, whatever, some element of corruption now being in the DEA to protect those people. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm fucking anarchist again. So, and this is the end of the show. Okay. (laughs) Burn it all down, dude. Okay. Um. So it's a two-part documentary. It's it's the first part focuses on like Purdue and like the introduction to these opioids and like the pushing of them, and then the second part is more fentanyl focused. But it's um it's really looking at the salesmen of these pharmaceuticals and the relationship with the doctors, mm. and then gets into the politician relations with the whole the industries and everything. But the second part is called "What's in it for me," um, and that was a really interesting part because they're, they break down like who the salesman, cause they're talking to these salesmen who were involved in this stuff and break down like how they target specific doctors and what doctors define and giving doctor bonuses based on how much they prescribe. And like, dude, one, I think at the end of the first episode, um, they were upping the dosages of Oxycontin and they like they were trying to show that there was no repercussions to high dosage dosages. So they freaking found this like ex heroin addict and they were like, hey, uh, as he's walking out, he did like get, get in a car accident or whatever and had had pain prior to that. And, there, and a saleswoman met him. They had like found him. And wanted and targeted him, and basically they're like, "Hey, man, would you be interested in trying this new drug that will help you?" And he's like, "Sure." And she's like, "It's free. Don't worry about it. And we'll pay you to take it." And he's like, "Okay, dude." He was taking, I think it was the equivalence to like twenty hits of heroin a day. Damn. And and using that as a look, dude, we have one guy here in Florida who's taking twenty. <laughs> of course, he's in Florida. Oh yeah, who's doing all this dosage of oxycontin, and he's totally fine. Using that as the argument mm. and evidence to sell it to the doctors. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Well, I don't. Get, I, I mean, then you get into well, then you get into there's a whole sports. I don't know if this documentary touches on it. But uh-huh. The gosh dang the uh, overprescription of of pain medicine for athletes mm. at the collegiate level and the professional level. Yeah. Well, dude, it's and I'm not trying to spin off of that, but like like take away from that. But you know, I, I've been very open about like. And about infertility journey and like Jen's endometriosis and talking about all of that. But one thing I haven't talked about is like the, the pain that she was in daily, mm-hmm. daily. And she was on some pretty high painkillers. And it wasn't until we found and introduced, um, what is it called? CBD. Mm. That we did see a difference in her pain management. Like CBD honestly helped make her feel better than some of the pain medication that she was um, prescribed. But she just sent me a story the other day about a woman who was suffering with um, endometriosis overdose on pain medication because she was in so much pain. She took all this pain medication to try to subdue it and it wasn't enough and she died. Jesus. I just I look at the medical journey that we have taken the mm-hmm. two of us and prior to her having endometriosis excision surgery they were pushing literally like cancer medication to Jen like oh we found that this cancer medication can help you 
And then Jen, because she's involved in all these um, social media groups with other people with endometriosis and stuff, they were like, do not effing take it. And then she found out that specialists in endometriosis actually do advise excision surgery while the doctors at Kaiser were telling us no that's an that's an old that's an old method we don't even do that anymore just take this cancer pill and you'll be all right well she took the route of the specialist and she got excision surgery and she has never felt better she couldn't walk. She would miss Christmases, she would miss holidays, she would miss birthdays, she would miss hikes. All of these things that I would go and do by myself because she was unable to do it. And I just think it's interesting that the solution was a pill. Mm-hmm. Instead of let's address the actual issue, what is historically has worked, what do the professionals specific to endometriosis say? The worst part is, and I've mentioned this before, the surgeon and the specialist who did, did her surgery trained the doctor in endometriosis that we saw at Kaiser who told her to just pop this cancer pill. Hmm. Dude, I don't trust anybody, man. DTA. Well, the good thing <laughs> is is that Jen did the work, right? Right, yes. Yeah. Jen did the work. Un- what unfortunately, unfortunately for so many... It's a societal problem. It's fucked up, dude. It's a societal problem yeah. because what we know this about our culture. I know it, man. We know this about our culture, Especially in the age of like high consumerism, yeah. we want easy solutions yes. to everything. That's what I'm talking about. When bumper I'm talking sticker, about we're all in pain. Bumper sticker quotes. Yes. What is easier than than going through this whole surgery, all of that? Yes. The recovery time of all of that, mm-hmm. and you're just told this pill. Yeah. Take that. Yep. Take two and call me in the morning. Yep. yep. Ooh, that's genius right there. But very true. I'm thinking about even diets and shit. Like, dude. I was, we're I was, lazy. Yeah, we're so a lazy. lazy we're dude. a lazy society. And I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I was thinking about it, and I did talk about it with family and friends. And like, there are some people that I get around um, as a fat dude that I just feel very self conscious when I'm around them. Like, I don't feel like like there are certain people that I'm around that sometimes like when I'm around them, like if say say we're swimming and and just use that because every fat dude wears a t shirt, so. There are certain people I'm around where I'm very self-conscious about, like, taking my shirt off to go swimming. I won't do it. I won't Mm -hmm. even do it. I'll suffer through it. But then there's other people and family and friends that I'm around that, like, I know they don't care and they love me for who I am. And not that those other people don't, but there's this weird internal conversation that I have. Um, And I'm only bringing this up because I'm thinking about, like, quick solutions of diets and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And... Um, but for me, this is the heaviest I've ever been. I am not happy. I don't feel good. Um, and, and honestly, I try to not let the societal parts of like, oh, you know, like you're just fat and nobody likes fat people and blah, blah, blah. But these are things that I think about. And there are honestly things that I had. I had this conversation with um, a family member a few weeks ago. But like, does me being fat affect job interviews? Like, do people see me and go, OK, this says something about who he is like this is shit I think about. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it in, if it does impact the interviews or the job getting, but I'm not getting any jobs. So that is something that I tally on to like, dude, maybe it's just because I'm a fat loser. Like it's shit I think about. Uh, it's sad. Right. But now the the quick and easy thing would be like, let's find a diet that works or let's find a pill. Let's find some speed. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's let's burn this fat off. 
But then, you know, Jen's been sending me, she's been taking like nutrition classes and stuff and like really paying attention to like how food works together and like in her body and stuff. And it's interesting um, and it's awesome because she's teaching me some things, but she'll like send me little memes or gifs or, or informations on Instagram about like changing the way that you're thinking about yourself or the way that you think about food. And there was one that really, really stuck with me. And I think that this is where I'm at. Um, I don't, I'm not happy with my physical physicality as it is today. Mm -hmm. I feel embarrassed about it sometimes. Um, whatever. But what the, the meme or the, the meme said or something, it said like, instead of saying like, I don't want, I don't want to be fat or I want to lose weight. Like think about the things that you do want to do. And this mm -hmm. gets back to like hiking with you. I do want to be able to go hiking with you. I, and more importantly and most importantly, I do want to play basketball at my f current physical being. I cannot play basketball the way that I want to. I need to change that. It's not about me being fat. It's about me and an ability to play basketball. Mm -hmm. So that was a rant I had. And I've been thinking about a lot lately. Good. I mean, I'm glad that you are working on changing your mindset. Yeah. To focus on positive yeah outcomes i have to versus negative thoughts when i get in negative thoughts i i fill those that negativity with food mm -hmm. i do it's easy to do yeah dude. so many people yeah myself included like i'll i'll be like all right i'm gonna start working out i'm gonna start doing all this with the goal of like let's get skinny mm -hmm. and i always like if i don't see results and i don't see me getting skinnier i get fucking bummed and i say fuck this dude i'm eating this cheeseburger it's what happens every yeah. time. Mm -hmm. But now I've switched that to I want to get better at basketball. So I go to I've been going every Sunday and it's only been two Sundays. But I went first Sunday by myself and my knee hurt and I didn't feel good. And I knew where the bar was. And I said, OK, if I'm going to play fucking basketball for Jake's bachelor party, I got to get in shape. Like, let's go. Like, I want to play basketball. That's what I want to do. That's my goal. Then last week, you and I went and played basketball. But prior to that, I posted a video of me like shooting and it was for Father's Day and I, and that's when I went and played. And you had mentioned a comment like, I wish I had a jumper that that was that was that consistent. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then we, I went and played with you and I started sh knocking him down again. And I was like, I guess this is pretty consistent. That made me feel good. Mm -hmm. So that part of my game is there. What isn't there is my ability to run up and down a court and then shoot that consistently. <laughs> but if I'm not, if I'm rested and I feel good and I'm just putting shots up, I'll knock them down. So now I have a new bar. Let's have the ability to run around, pull up and hit the same shots. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is very much changing that, that thought process to a more positive thing. Yeah. But I'm and working on and it. celebrate you got and celebrate each milestone. Yeah. We, we lose track of so much of where we like, we look, we get so much caught up. We get so caught up in like, how like getting to the outcome that we lose track and congratulating ourselves for hitting the milestones yes. to get to that outcome. Right. So I that's mean, awesome. two weeks in a row that's going to play basketball at the gym. Mm -hmm. That's more than I was doing two weeks ago. Yeah. So there's a little celebratory milestone. Good. I'm glad that yeah. makes me happy to hear. <sighs> Those are my rants for today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know this is, this, we, we, we rant. That's yeah. how we work through things. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that's a sign of intellectualism when you rants. Yeah. Oh well, I am pretty intellectual. Well, think though. about it. <laughs> like, at least you're 
we're talking about these yeah. things. We're t- and then talking through them helps you work through them. Right. It helps you get. I I know for me, talking through things gets things ordered in your head. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I had a um, I had an interview. Yeah. With a government agency. Yeah. 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 And the one of the questions. You're part of the problem, man. I am part of the problem. So one of the questions was. Uh, take five minutes because uh-huh. it was over the phone. Which they was, wanted you to take five minutes live. Yeah, like fuck it, we're doing it live. Mm-hmm. They said like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Bill O'Reilly. If we only knew where Fox News was headed from that point. Yeah. God. Um, the so they said take five minutes, uh, and you can take five minutes if you need to, and when you come back. Explain to us something that you know really well. It can be anything. It can be a video game that you like playing. Oh. It can be s- s- anything. Okay. And explain it to us in as much detail as you can in a way that we would, at the end of it, understand the intricacies of that topic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, goodness. So thankfully, I had done... I knew this question was coming because oh. I had done a lot of... Uh, research on inter- on interviews of that agency for that agency Good in job. that job specifically. So wow. and Kylie helped me a lot with that. That's awesome. And so I knew this question was coming. Yeah. So then I had already been thinking of what I wanted to do, but I took the four minutes just to get my thoughts in um, in order. But that whole exercise prior to getting ready for that interview mm-hmm. was me literally just talking. I was like, okay, I want to talk about astrophotography how to shoot the stars so then i started you did not i did i did i swear i swear to god i did (laughs) okay because matt when i talked to matt about Uh his interview with the same for the same job he talked about uh he talked about china uh u.s foreign policy towards china they don't like literally it sounds like they don't care they just want to know that you have the ability to think in depth about things okay because apparently this is a very policy driven right you have to know policy gotcha. and you have to be able to explain policy gotcha and so it's very wonky so they want to know your ability to to you're gonna be perfect for it so um i hope <laughs> i hope so um so i i but it was the talking the reason why i'm talking about this yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like to get myself ready for it uh-huh. was literally talking myself completely through the the planning process mm-hmm. like looking through my phone finding the right time where the the moon wasn't going to be any more than a quarter illuminated right. and finding areas that were doesn't have a lot of light pollution from lo- from cities nearby and right. stuff like that and then going through all of the different camera settings and so it was like i did i it was like a 10 minute rant uh-huh but anyway, preparing for that, yeah, talking through it, yeah, getting help helps get your thoughts organized. So sometimes I like to go into things like that unprepared. Not an interview, but like this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I could have had far more details about that documentary, right? But I knew that it was eliciting emotions, mm-hmm. and for me, it's let's rant on it and let's start identifying those emotions and then finding the 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 spark of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Like what is it that is making me feel that way? Um, in the same way of like getting in basketball shape, like what are my thoughts and feelings on that? Dude, now that I'm a parent, so much of my life is effing thoughts and feelings. <laughs> like what are your thoughts and feelings on that? Like what are my thoughts and feelings on that? Um, we're getting close to finalizing the adoption with lovely. And we had seen some outbursts in behavior and, 
um, if we don't know where the f this is coming from, right? We're just thinking we're just going through like every day and like, oh hey, we're coming towards the finalization. Well, the other day, yesterday, I think she's with Jen and she's like, hey mom, and she's like, yeah, and she goes, I've got some feelings about finalization. Like she. Like brought up the wow. the topic and she's like, it's just like, you know, I don't really like going to court and I don't like doing all the the the, the things that are associated with a mm-hmm. process of foster care and yeah. stuff. But her ability to recognize that there's feels there and then to communicate through those feelings. Mm-hmm. That is just my life now <laughs> for everything and just trying to identify my own thoughts and feelings about things. And that's why I went on that rant about weight loss, because I was sitting there and re- and just recognizing my own insecurities and my own feelings about things. Mm-hmm. And it bugged me. It bugged me that I feel certain ways about things. And um, uh, and I think that that's why I brought up the documentaries, even the Michael Jackson things. I know watching that documentary is going to elicit feelings and that cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And it's it's finding a way to navigate through your own feelings and thoughts mm-hmm. um, in a healthy way. And I just, but that's work. It is right? work. That's work. It is work. That's a great point. It's not a pill. Yeah, that's true. It's not easy. It's not easy to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's not easy to admit that like I have an emotion about this. Mm-hmm. And then because there's so much pressure of how not just what society does tell us, but also our perceptions of what society cares about. Right. Like, yes, we all care about yeah. that um, kind of omnipresent blob of everything that it's just like amalgamation of everything, everybody interactions we've had throughout our lives mm-hmm. that have shaped how we perceive the world and yeah. how we think the world perceives us. And it just kind of follows us around like this blob. And you're constantly battling that you're constantly kind of battling mm. this this blob that is floating above your head, and, and it's also it's social, it's your own socialization mm-hmm. in our society, and and then but there's also there's cultural influences there, but a lot of it is our own perception, and how you've perceived certain interact like how you've perceived certain interactions, and you so you think somebody thinks some way about you, but they may not even think about that. But that's that, my favorite thing about you. But that lives in your head, yes. right? That lives in your psyche, and how and that formulates how you come to decisions and how you think about things and those emotions. And so spending that time to break through those things, Mm -hmm. work through, I have this emotion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to explore that and I'm going to work on it. And maybe I'll reframe things. Yeah. That is work. Yeah. Whereas you could just say, I'm a man, man, don't feel things. And we're going to be, we're going to like, and that's just what we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, ah, that's okay. Just cry. Just, uh, just don't care about that. Yeah. Give me or, a beer. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. It's just like, oh, who cares what people think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly everybody cares what people yes, think. Yes. Yes. To some level, you care what other people think. Yeah, absolutely. We're social beings. Yeah. That is in our nature. Yeah. And I use that. I use the term human nature in a very careful way because. I love that Michael I don't, Jackson song, by the way. What? Human nature. Oh, I've never heard it. Oh, it's so good. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I you I gotta know, get my love as, out now because next week I guarantee I'm gonna hate him <laughs> as much as as much as you shit on me for not watching the movies you tell me I yeah, should watch never I do listen to the music you tell me I should listen to oh okay I have been listening to I hadn't listened to the dogs eating dogs EP uh huh and then I have been since you told yeah. me about it yeah and I love it yeah dude it's talk a blink about one, it's emotions. a it's a blink one eighty two song that song pretty little girl yeah 
the lyrics to that yeah. are amazing. Dude, it's such a good song. It might be one of the best written Blink-182 songs. I think Tom wrote it. Did he? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So Have you good. listened to Angels and Airwaves? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped listening to them at a certain point, but... Cause a lot of their stuff is... Re- it's very repetitive. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. That's what I like them. Dude. Talk about emotions. Damn, you just brought... I'm, just mentioning Blink-182 brought up two things. Mark Hoppus has cancer, mm-hmm. and I literally tried my hardest, at least twice since hearing that, stop myself from crying about it because it's it's sad. Mm-hmm. Like when Kobe died, it was instant, and it was a shock, and I was just like, I didn't realize how much I, <laughs> I guess I, I valued who he had become, mm-hmm. um, and it bummed me out, and I cried a ton, like way too much. I cried way too much for Kobe. But Mark Hoppus is literally, and Blink-182 is literally – I, again, influence influences foundational in who I am. Mm-hmm. I saw those three dudes running naked on MTV, and I was like, "My life has changed." Mm-hmm. I want to do what they do and not run naked through the town. But the music, I'd never heard of Blink One Eighty Two before. I was straight up just Backstreet Boys and all that shit. And then I saw Blink One Eighty Two, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And then from there. MXPX and uh, Yellow Card and just all those bands, I just just dove headfirst into. But it starts with Blink One Eighty Two. My my music writing, my music like all, it all. There's always a little Blink influence in things that I do musically. Mm-hmm. So hearing that Mark Hoppus had cancer, like it, with Kobe's sudden death, it hit like a wave. Now I'm not joking. I've thought about Mark Hoppus every day since. Like, mm-hmm. I hope he's doing okay. Like, he didn't specify what kind of cancer, which is even more scary, and it's just giving me anxiety. Like, it bums me out because what he does musically and the, his creations, I value as much as my passion and love for basketball. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's foundational in who I am. Yeah. Um. But also, uh, yeah, feels for Blink One Eighty Two. Um. Lovely is riding in the car and she's just singing along to Blink songs. And I look over at Jen and she's like, yeah, that's your kid back there singing, singing along to Blink-182 and the used. <laughs> and it's like, oh, damn, like a place I never thought I would ever be. Mm-hmm. But it's it's good feels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I recorded on a completely different note. Yeah. I recorded to their public. Yeah. Um, oh, I was thinking about to the Republic. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I have another rant for that shit. Oh no, hit me. Uh, so I listened to your gun episode. I haven't finished it, but I was listening to it. Um, let me get my notes out here. You're talking about the NFA, mm-hmm. National Firearms Act, 1934. Uh, yes. Okay. So uh, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but hearing you talk about that just fucking pissed me off again because um just looking at like prior to 1934 you had mentioned that there wasn't really like that's like the initial gun legislation and there's reasons why you know you you meant you cite the nra and stuff about Mm -hmm. like not having the again effing influential freaking arm to to influence uh, government officials that we elect to control our lives Mm because we're geniuses um but uh, again, just this this initial gun legislation. Prior to this, there was no gun legislation of this kind or at all. Mm-hmm. And since then, we have gun legislation. And you have mentioned having this conversation with other people. And it's just annoying that 
in 2021, we understand gun legislation and regulation as A, B, and C. Why is that? Because prior legislation has passed. Mm-hmm. It just didn't wake up. We didn't just wake up one day or we're born into a world of guns and say, oh, that's just how it always has been. No, it hasn't. There's been 200 years of constructing legislation around gun ownership. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there was a law being proposed or made, and there was pushback, and at some point, it either failed or passed. And once it passes, that's new gun legislation. That's the new norm. So when you're talking about the 1934 Act, I'm just I'm just so annoyed at, like, that sets a bar, and that sets a change. And my frustration is with people who are single-issue voters or whatever it may be, they just act as though, well, that's how it's always been, so we cannot change it. But if you look historically, obviously that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That was my rant about guns. Well, that's a good rant. It pretty much <laughs> pretty much sums up my whole last segment of that episode. Yeah, it's um, it just pisses me off. Yeah, it it's annoying. Yeah, it is annoying. Uh, this particular, I'm thank you for listening yeah. to that. I don't know how many people listen to it, dude. It's the controversial episode. I gotta <laughs> listen to it. It is. I gotta hear why. You're wrong, and I'm white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Fuffy. Did you hear? Did you? Uh, I didn't think about that, but that's a funny little play on words. What? Like instead of "You're wrong, I'm right," "You're wrong, I'm white." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because <laughs> they said that we're both white guys. <laughs> yeah. Even Anyways, though, even though you're Mexican. But. Uh, so you're talking about TTR yeah, recording TTR? Yeah. So recorded that. Um, it's so much. Ni- like I've done the last two episodes by myself. Yeah. It is nice having another person but also it's kind of nice just hearing you do it by yourself oh really yeah okay i don't know why uh the quality sucked but um that's on you yeah that is on me because i couldn't (laughs) figure out my i couldn't figure out my uh um equipment yeah so um but it's it's honestly it's it's nice just hearing it in general, like when I do TTR with you, it's it's hard for me to listen because I've been there. Mm-hmm. Even though I sometimes I'll listen back to this show, right? But with TTR Just You, it's nice to listen to because this is a different show. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I get to enjoy that you are teaching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're not listening to that show, dude, if you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I So I I, I want to I wanna do... I want to do something. Oh, do something, dude. Well, now, you know, COVID's over, so you can do anything. Yeah. So this, I mean, this particular episode was on, um, I just really quick, it was about yeah. talking about, is our system, are the, some of the mechanisms that really influence our politics, uh-huh. are, they're so uniquely American. Mm-hmm. No other democracy has as much weight given to the minority party. And I'm not talking about the par- party that's not currently in power. I'm talking right. about the party who has the least amount of voters mm-hmm. of the of the major parties in the system. We have two because of the way our voting works, we have two parties. It's not set up that way. There's no rule saying it can only be two voter right. two parties. It's just the way that voting works, there really is only two viable parties. The party that has increasingly small proportion of the population voting for it mm-hmm. has an extraordinary amount of power and an extraordinary amount of agency to affect federal policy. Okay. It is there are there is no other democracy that I can think of mm-hmm. that gives anywhere near that amount of agency to minority parties. Mm-hmm. In England, if you're not a party in power, you have no vote in right. parliament. Right. And yet the minority party 
in both chambers mm-hmm. of Congress mm-hmm. and does not hold the White House mm-hmm. is holding up every major piece of legislation. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. Every single piece of legislation yeah. is being held up by the minority. By the minority party because of instant because of because of two um self-reinforcing institutional like arrangements mm-hmm. in the in equal representation on the senate along with the senate filibuster mm-hmm. one of those things is a constitutional provision mm-hmm. one of those things is not mm-hmm. and one has been consistently manipulated by the party mm-hmm. that is in the minority in the past, right, but is now being held up as this institution that we cannot tear down because it promotes bipartisanship. Bullshit. It is complete bullshit. I don't. Anytime they're honestly, anytime the minority party that you're speaking about, we that, who them who must not be named. Um, anytime they say some shit like that, dude, I don't give any thought to it because the 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 placement of um, Supreme Court justices. You fucked yourself there, dude. Mm-hmm. You're telling us we can't do it during an election year. Oh, now Trump's president, we have to do it during an election year. Now they're back to you can't do it during an election year. Mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? And the reason why he gave that McConnell gay was because, um, uh, because in when Trump was president, it was the party he was the party that was in power. So is so under McConnell's new logic, if the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. And the House and the presidency is a Republican, is held by a Republican, mm-hmm. then you can do it in an election year. Mm-hmm. But if there are differences in party, then you can't do it in an election year. Dude, that is scary. Dude, just think, he's just literally making shit up on the fly. Yes, that's why I give zero... Cru- Dude, there is, there are, there are so, there is so, we've talked about this at length, so much of our government is set up through precedent, norm setting, and... Uh, Corruption. And, and <laughs> there are Senate rule. There are Senate rules yeah. that have to be voted on to, to change. Yeah. The primary. So in order to get the, the more legit way of undoing the filibuster would require a filibuster proof majority to undo the filibuster. Okay. That's not happening. Oh, my word. So there are there is a back channel way that that I that you can undo the filibuster. And it's a really shady piece of shit way of doing it but mcconnell has already done it he Mm. did it back in 2017 or 2013 to change the filibuster rules to uh allow for budget reconciliation on budget bills Mm -hmm. so in a roundabout way how you do it is that you uh, you um you you promote you you put forward the change and if you get one person who objects to it and if they're if that person objects to it, then it only requires a fifty vote majority. And it's just it, it it's shitty rules. Okay. But then Mitch McConnell is saying that you can't undo this, you can't undo it like that. That's unbipartisan. You're yeah. manipulating the system. But it's like you motherfucker, you've already done it. I don't trust him. It's garbage, dude. It's garbage. Anyway, my the whole point of the yeah. of the episode, which airs today um, at noon, is basically saying, dude, this shit needs to change. Yeah. Like what though, the so, manipulation or the lies or the well, that's not going to look, dude. I'm, that's not I'm gonna all change. for burning it down. I'm a now. real. I am a realist. Yeah, we know. I'm a realist, and you're not going to change the corruption or the lies. 
Well, those are always going to be present in politics. If there's no government, when, when power no... is at stake, then you're all you're replacing <laughs> the no government with uh-huh. is whoever has the biggest stick currently. Dude, I got the big stick. You may have a big stick. Yeah, I'll fight him. <laughs> yeah, you're going to. F- okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no. You know what's going to end up happening is all the rednecks that drive around with all their big guns. Those guys being the guys with the big stick. I'm sorry. Your hand-me-down Springfield isn't going to do much. Yes, it will. No, it won't. Yes, it will. No, it won't. Don't you say that. You don't even know how to use it. You you thought there was an intruder in your backyard one time, and you went out there with a the magazine completely out of it because you were so afraid of the gun. Uh, well, and you're going to... And you're going to... That's your fault. <laughs> oh, my fault? Yeah. You keep saying, let's go shooting, and then you don't ever ask again. I've, I haven't personally gone shooting in a long time. Yeah. So uh, it's expensive to go do. And you I got and you got to go up in the woods and then risk all the other weirdos. Why don't you that just go to a range? Guns. That's expensive. I mean, it's worth it you if I feel find... confident. Okay. And I can fight off Fine. the post-apocalyptic mob. Okay. Well, when we find a weekend that one of us aren't like slammed with well, stuff. Well, you're getting married, so you're always slammed with stuff now. Well, and I've got one of my other friends getting married, so mm. like I have his bachelor party next weekend. Mm, dang. Are you going to get wasted? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so how do we fix it? Uh, other than burning it down? Well, I think we I think at this point we just we get rid of the filibuster. Oh, okay. And what I is, think What is the filibuster? That is the the Senate rule that requires a 60 vote threshold in order for things to pass in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And the Senate is a hundred seat. Right. Um, so what are you? What is the solution then? Majority? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's already it's already an equal representative body. Right. You already have states that are overrepresented. I mean, that's there. a huge, but okay. So the, obviously the concern there is that the, the expediency or, or the willy nilly at which something could change if that's the majority minority. But then I think you're also, it's also a huge ask to ask for nine or 10 other people from the other side to agree with what you're proposing, especially in this climate. Yeah. In this climate, it's, it, it doesn't. It's not making. It's no longer a facilitator of bipartisanship. Mm-hmm. It is now a tool that is being weaponized oh, great by point. a party great to point. subvert for political reasons. Yeah, because McConnell knows that the infrastructure bill is incredibly popular, even in red states, states that his party yeah represents wants this infrastructure bill. Yeah, but he knows if it passes, what does that do for Democrats? Gives them a win. It gives them a win. And you can't give Biden a win. Nope. He supported the same fucking infrastructure bill when Trump was president. Yeah. And Trump couldn't get it done because Trump didn't ultimately didn't give a shit. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's he's on tour right now talking about his cognitive testing. Oh my god, did you see that? Person in that fucking woman, lackey Greg man. Abbott in Texas? Yeah. What are you doing? You're the sitting senator of Texas and you're sitting with the past president? Yeah. Talking about his his cognitive ability. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. And just and, smiling and, and, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and did you see that idiot that uh, governor from South Dakota sent the state, is sending this her state's uh, um, National Guard to the border? 
Why? To help secure it. Oh. It's not even... That's questionably constitutional, and it blurs the the, the lines uh-huh. of civilian military control of the of the military, mm. and that is very 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 concerning. That is another norm that's being shattered by the Republican Party, the same party that talks about the importance of norms. Conservatives made norms, yeah, and protects norms, yeah, to the almost to the destruction of everything else. Like they will hold on to norms way longer than they probably should have ever mm-hmm. been. Until now. Until it's it's subservience to a narrative pushed by some orange fucking puppet. Yeah. Who's the puppet master? Dude, I don't know. Whoever's controlling the orange guy. Yeah. Russia, dude. Yeah, I love that he's on tour now. Dude, he is a fucking just... That's our next president. You watch your mouth. He is a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye, guys. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.